It's where you go to bike, hike, and stroll miles of pathways over more than 7,000 acres of parkland. A place to go explore rivers and fish their bountiful waters. Natural places to go marvel at magnificent wildlife while you play outdoors and go wander charming communities. Find all this and more at Destination Downriver. Give it a go. Welcome to a podcast for new adventure seekers, Destination Downriver. Today's podcast is presented by Market Insights with podcast produced by and presented by the City of Taylor's Media Center. We are sponsored by the generous support of our friends at Allegra Marketing Print and Design for strategic marketing and print communications with measurable results. Let Allegra assist you with your print, mail, design, and signs. Located at 3557 Fort Street in Wyandotte or call 734 288-8994. Tell them Destination Downriver brought you there. Hello, I'm Liz Henley, co-chair of Destination Downriver and economic development director for the city of Flat Rock. Our September podcast, Vodcast, is going to explore a couple of Downriver's natural wonders. What many around the state don't realize about this region is that it is framed by three of Michigan's great rivers, the Detroit, Huron, and Rouge, and knitted together by a robust network of trail and waterways. It is also home to the highest concentration of metro parks in the state, as well as being home to North America's only international wildlife refuge. I'd like to welcome our two guests, um, who will be guiding us through some of Downriver's cool nature-based treasures. Dan Kennedy, Refuge Manager at the Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge, and Paul Seifer, Interpreter at Huron-Clinton Metro Parks. These two will give us an overview of their parklands, programs, and the adventures awaiting visitors who want to see a few of our natural crown jewel destinations at this perfect time of year to get outdoors. Let's get started by first visiting North America's only international wildlife refuge that just happens to be located here in Downriver, the Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge. Dan, you're fairly new in this position, having started as the refuge manager this past February. You bring a 25-year career in wildlife management, having previously spent nearly 19 years at the Michigan Department of Natural Resources in areas of wildlife and endangered and threatened species. I recently read in an article that said 7 million people live within driving distance of this one and only international wildlife refuge. That's astonishing since most of our nation's refuge parks are typically located in more remote regions. That's a great place for us to start talking about this extraordinary park that's right here between Trenton and Groziel on the shores of the Detroit River right here in Downriver. What's your background, and how is it you decided to come to the Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge? Thanks, Liz, and, and thanks for the invitation. You know, I appreciate being here and being able to talk about the uh, refuge. I'm excited about that. Um, well, I, you know, as stated earlier, I, I was with the DNR for 19 years, and I did endangered species work, things from bats to butterflies, you know, to birds. I was around when the Kirtland helped 
uh, with the process to delist the Kirtland's warbler. And I helped uh, uh, 17 states from Texas to Minnesota to Kansas to Kentucky work on a monarch butterfly conservation plan. So I have quite a bit of experience in the wildlife conservation field, but what I was really looking forward to and what I, I needed in my career, I needed a career change is helping people connect with the outdoors and nature. And so this opportunity to come to the International Wildlife Refuge was is unique. Um, you know, we're so close to Detroit and I'm excited about those opportunities to help engage people and how do we get more people interested in the outdoors and engaging with nature. So are there any lofty goals that you have for this terrific facility? Yeah, so I would say uh, our first goal is we exist. You know, we're, we have a brand new visitor center um, I'm not sure how many people in the Downriver area know that we're open. You know, we're open through Thursday through Sunday, um, nine to four right now. That may change based on the number of volunteers we can get. Uh, so, you know, number one is we're open. You can come visit us uh, anytime, uh, dawn to dusk on the property. And then the visitor center thur Thursday through Sunday I would recommend checking the website before you come just based on, you know, uh, the community COVID level, you know, that might change based on uh, the levels of uh, COVID in the, coming, in the coming months. Second, you know, we do a lot of fish and wildlife conservation. So we have some really lofty goals. We have a com uh, comprehensive conservation plan that lays all that out. And we could probably spend the whole 20 minutes <laughs> talking about that. So I'll just let folks know we're, we're engaged and working with partners on the uh, conservation and protection for wildlife habitat. And then we have our urban wildlife program where we're looking to uh, establish a career pathways program. I know there's quite a few organizations already out there that help youth, you know, gain experiences in a variety of different fields. And we're looking to help, you know, uh, Downriver and Detroit area youth engage in conservation. So we're looking, we're branching out, we're meeting those organizations and we're looking forward to how we can do that. And then lastly, I'll say we're just in the process of hiring what we're calling a community engagement coordinator. And that person's responsibility will be to build those relationships with the local community from Trenton, Gibraltar, Riverview, um, even up into Ecorse and Rouge River and the surrounding area of how can we better serve those communities and what are the needs of those communities identify those needs and then see how we can help. Where's that overlap? Where's that synergy in those, uh, in that partnership? Definitely lofty goals. Um, tell us about some of the recreational opportunities at the refuge. Yeah, sure. Um, one of the things that I like to hammer home is um, it's free. So whatever you do, come out to the International Wildlife Refuge. You can visit the visitor center um, we have great wildlife viewing opportunities. You can see eagles, you can see osprey. There's tons of uh, waterfowl avail uh, uh, viewing. Um, there's our fishing pier. So we jointly manage a 40 acre parcel called the Refuge Gateway with Wayne County Parks and Rec. 
And on that parcel, there's a 700 foot fishing pier that, you know, typically March, April, May, probably more April, May, uh, and into June, uh, there's the walleye run. So you can come catch some walleye. There's white bass. And then there's a variety of other fish that you can catch throughout the summer. And then lastly, I'll, I'll also say that on that property, um, Wayne County Parks also has a kayak launch. So if you want to go kayaking um, around the Detroit River area, maybe pull out at Lake Erie Metro Park. Sure. Um, you know, there's ways to schedule uh, kayaking trips. And oh, I just remember one other thing I'd like to throw in there. And we just built um, through a, a, a grant a PlayStation and there's a pavilion out there. So there's opportunities for folks to come eat at picnic tables or under the pavilion. There's opportunities to come enjoy, maybe have lunch with your family, bring the kids, bring the grandparents and enjoy the outdoors at the, at the refuge. Yeah, I've been there, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, and having your DNR background in managing endangered and threatened species, can you tell us what you're doing currently to help conserve wildlife in and around the park? Yeah, so what I would say there is um, we do, we have uh, an agreement that we participate in the cooperative weed management um, area. So there's a, a group of partners, including the Huron-Clinton Metro Parks, um, the DNR, the Nature Conservancy, and a variety of other organizations that help support invasive species management. So there's that group that we help support. Uh, right now, Jesse Fletcher, our biologist, is the lead person on that, the chair of that committee. But there's a lot of invasive species treatments going on to help provide quality habitat for wildlife. We also have several wetland units that we're actively managing that, you know, there's the water level within those that we try to get to an optimum level that provides ample, you know, uh, food and cover for uh, migrating birds, you know, primarily waterfowl and shorebirds. And then we have two other big projects going on. Uh, Sugar Island restoration, where there's been some um, erosion on the banks, uh, partnering with the uh, Friends of the Detroit River, the NOAA, the National Ocean, I can't, <laughs> oh, I can't remember the name, I'm, I'm bad at acronyms, I'm sorry, but uh, with NOAA and uh, Smith Group is the contractor and there's GLRI funding to help um, reduce the erosion there. And then there's a parcel down in uh, Monroe it's called the Ford Marsh because it's a um, property that was part of the Ford Motor Company that was deeded to the Fish and, Fish and Wildlife Service. And we're working on how can we help uh, restore and maintain that wetland for wildlife. Wonderful. Um, given the concentrated population in this area, I know your mission here at the Detroit River International Wildlife Re Refuge is based upon the fundamental belief that conservation in urban areas helps protect our natural heritage and provides people with access to nature, ultimately raising their quality of life. Can you talk a little more about what the Urban Wildlife Conservation Program is? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I think what I'd like to start with on that one is um, over the last two and a half years during the pandemic, we've all learned how important um, our outdoor spaces are. You know, um, we've never seen this level of use on public land. 
whether it's a city park, a township park, a county park, you know, state, the Department of Natural Resources, state parks, wildlife areas, or state forest lands, or the Fish and Wildlife Service refuges, um, Shiawassee, Sini, and Detroit River. And people, you know, and I think there's, you know, there's documented research that shows there are uh, physical and mental uh, benefits from getting outdoors four hours a week. So I think we're extremely lucky downriver with the number of resources we have, uh, the number of public parks, public land available to um, all of us in downriver to get out, whether you enjoy biking, hiking, walking, bird watching, hunting, fishing, whatever that recreational opportunity is, we have ample opportunity downriver to get outdoors and, and enjoy that. And the Urban Wildlife Conservation Program is designed around how can we help some of the underrepresented communities, those that we might not have traditionally engaged, know about these resources? How can we better understand what their needs are and then provide um, opportunities for them to engage in the outdoors and with nature? Excellent, thanks Dan for that quick tour of what is really a must-see destination in the Downriver area for all of us to experience. Paul, you're up next today. You're an interpreter for the Huron-Clinton Metro Parks and someone who has extensive experience in the natural world that makes up the acres of public property that is available to all Huron-Clinton Metro Parks. I believe you've been with the Metro Park system 28 years, is that right? That's correct. That's awesome. <laughs> and you're here today to enlighten Not us. Not sure where it went, but yeah. <laughs> you're here today to enlighten us about being Bird Migration Month yeah. at the Metro Parks. Yeah. I did a little bit of reading on the topic and discovered the bird migration is a remarkable lesson in how resilience can help overcome enormous challenges in life. The humble migratory birds can teach us valuable lessons about how to adapt to changing environments and how to overcome challenges through collaboration. You don't need to be a dedicated bird watcher or member of the Audubon Society to marvel at this annual gathering of thousands of different species as they begin what is their seasonal transition. According to the Metro Parks website, less than half of all birds in the U.S. are year-round residents of their home range. That means literally thousands are staging at nesting sites all over the parks and along our rivers to begin their winter migration. Talk about the natural wonders being in our own backyards Lake Erie, Lower Huron, Willow, and Oakwoods Metro Parks provide all of us with a 50-yard line seat to view this annual migration phenomenon. I understand this past weekend was Hawkfest. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, Hawkfest is, uh, it's exactly that. It's a, it's a festival of hawks. Uh, it was started um, in the late uh, 1990s. Uh, actually, I take that back, 1980s, uh, literally just as a, as a tent with a guest speaker who happened to be a falconer. And uh, people just came out in droves. It was like 100 people on a very poor day weather-wise. And that's when Jerry uh, Wikes, who started the festival, realized he was onto something. So fast forward decades, and now it's an entire weekend of programming. Uh, games for kids, crafts for kids. Falconers are there with their birds. We have uh, guest speakers doing interpretive programming with their birds. Museum staff is doing program that we put together. And 
all of that works and if everything really comes together we can see the bird migration as it happens overhead hawks migrate during the daylight hours so if we really manage to pull off the perfect weekend then not only is everybody having fun but they can look up and hopefully experience this uh, this incredible migration that we get in southeast michigan so, sometimes they grant you that huh sometimes they grant us that <laughs> and sometimes they don't it's it's a luck of the draw um how long does the migration go on and what are the optimum times and places for viewing in the parks it's uh the bird migration in general, I mean, if you really wanted to get particular about it, actually starts in early July um, and goes on well into December. But when we think about hawk migration specifically, uh, the official uh, count starts in September 1 and runs through the end of November. So uh, if it's not raining, there's counters stationed at the boat launch at the park, literally identifying and counting every bird of prey that goes by. The uh, fun part about hawk migration is people sometimes have in their head that I have to get up at some crazy hour of the morning to go find these birds and you don't have to do that with hawk migration. Um, the, the mechanism that drives it is what's called a thermal. So when the sun uh, warms up the ground you get these invisible columns of warm air that pop up all over the landscape. They get into these thermals, they ride themselves up to the top and then they glide over to the next thermal. So it's just kind of like an up and over, up and over and they, they'll do that for dozens of miles a day. Well, you don't get hawk migration until the sun gets up. Um, and your thermals don't form until 9.30 and 10 o'clock. So you can get up and have breakfast and do some laundry and do some banking and do whatever you gotta do around your house and then kind of mosey your way to the park. And if they're there by 10, you probably didn't miss anything. Um, so uh, I answer the question in the general sense, banker's hours. That's nine awesome. to five, nine to five, and then uh, by dinner time, the birds are starting to put down for the night. That's, so. that, that's awesome. Um, give us some numbers as far as populations of the birds yeah. in, that are moving around this time of year. Yeah, you gotta go on a, on a case by case basis. Each, uh, each species has its own numbers uh, in terms of their population base. So the, the numbers that get the big attention, especially in the month of September, is the broadwing hawk. And they're the one that, uh, they're about the size of a crow, and uh, they have this tremendous breeding density in Ontario. The forests are just full of them. Um, they also have the fun little habit of getting together with all of their pals and moving in mass. So you can end up with literally a, a, a kettle, as they're called, you know, five, 10,000 birds right there on the horizon like a tornado. Um, and you start piling on all these kettles as the day goes by, and your numbers are literally potentially in the hundreds of thousands in a day. Most of their population will basically migrate in a period of about two or three days in mid-September. So hundreds of thousands for them. Uh, bald eagles, of course, everybody's favorite. Uh, you could see you know, 10, 15, 20 in a day. Um, just yesterday, the count scored uh, uh, over 100 American kestrels, which is just the little falcon. He's the smaller cousin to the, uh, to the peregrine falcon. Um, so 100 in a day is, is tremendous for a count site like ours. And if the season progresses with that kind of a pace, maybe we'll have about 1,000 or so before the season wraps up. Wow, that, that's something else. Yeah, it is. Um, what kind of 
other bird species besides the more popular ones what might one see if they visited the Metro Parks? It's, uh, it's September um, and everything's on the move. Okay. So if you, uh, you go to the Hawk Watch, you can see hawks. Um, you can see non-hawk species at the Hawk Watch. It's not this tunnel vision where they're only looking for hawks. So a couple days ago, they were actually watching some white pelicans out on the river. Um, you go out onto the nature trails and you can start looking for the waterfowl, the blue winged teal are in town now, uh, mallards and all that. Uh, start picking through the trees and you'll start to find your small songbirds, um, you know, warblers and vireos and thrushes and that sort of thing. So September is, is prime time for migration. And as the season moves on, the species are gonna change because some of the birds are moving through right now. We're still waiting for some birds to come into town. So the next few months, migration is just full speed ahead. So, so just out of personal curiosity, who's the last to leave? Who's the last to leave in yeah. terms of birds? Mm -hmm. um, I think I would probably go with rough-legged hawk on that one. It's a, uh, it's a leaner cousin to the red-tailed hawk and they nest in the Arctic tundra where there are no trees. Gotcha. And when they fly south for the winter, we have to consider that south is relative. And for them, their south might be southeast Michigan. Uh, some of them are perfectly comfortable calling their wintering grounds uh, the Upper Peninsula, if you can imagine that. Um, so because they don't have to migrate to South America like the Broadwing Hawk does, they can leave later. So we won't actually see rough-legged hawks until almost Halloween. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so fall is a great time of year to enjoy our parks. Yeah. What are some of the other outdoor events or activities happening at the Metro Parks that we should know about over the next few months? Yeah. Looking at it uh, in general, uh, consider that there's 13 Metro Parks scattered around Metro Detroit um, and over 10 interpretive centers and farm centers. So if you go to the website, metroparks.com, and you start trolling through the filters, you can figure out what's going on at the park nearest to you or the park that has amenities that interest you. Um, so thinking of it from a southern district standpoint, uh, which would be Lake Erie Metro Park where I'm at and my sister park, Oakwoods Metro Park, um, we basically split the middle when it comes to our programming. We have a lot of programming on natural history as well as programs on, uh, on cultural history. So we just wrapped up Hawkfest, which uh, is great. Um, coming into October, we'll have uh, bird hikes um, available on uh, usually the second Saturday of the month. As you move into the latter part of uh, October, um, two things stick out for Oakwoods Metro Park. One is a, uh, is, a, is a cemetery tour. There's actually a cemetery tucked away in the corner of Willow Metro Park. Hmm. And uh, uh, some, of the, uh, some of the tombstones there, they, they date back to the Civil War. Uh, it's an old cemetery. So my supervisor, Kevin, put together a great program on, uh, on the cemetery. Um, and then we go a complete 180 degrees and we get into the, uh, the lantern tours. And I've been a part of the lantern tours, both as a patron and as an employee. And it's basically walking through the haunted forest, which is not at all haunted. And there's characters, some of which are a little bit more serious and some are not serious at all. Um, so there's a lot of fun associated with that. Um, so if you, if you troll through the website, um, you'll find basically everything. We have a lot of real estate we have to cover in terms of subject matter. 
and it's all there. And if you uh, if you have questions, somebody can always call us up and uh, get more specifics, register online, and that sort of thing. Well, thank you, Paul, for sure. that excellent and insightful information Thanks about for me. how to take advantage of what's in our own backyards. Be sure to add Downriver's three great metro parks, Oakwood, Lake Erie, and Willow, as well as the Lower Huron, to your list of things to do this fall. The Detroit International Wildlife Refuge will also help you experience the wonders of nature, and they're conveniently located right here in Downriver. We have so many places in this region that stand out as great nature-based getaways for the entire family. Here are a few more events that can help you fill in your fall calendar. This is really a terrific season here in Michigan to get out and experience nature, which is literally all around us here in Downriver. The Detroit River Water Festival is on September 27th. Friends of the Detroit River annual meeting takes place on October 13th, featuring a special presentation on climate change by Emmy Award-winning meteorologist Chris, Chris Edwards. National Hike Day is on November 17th with guided hikes and International Wildlife Refuge at the Humbug Marsh, not to mention nearly 100 miles of other trails that are available in the Down River region to really take a hike. Thanks so much to Dan Kennedy from the Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge and Paul Seifer from here on Clinton Metro Parks for broadening our horizons today with some outstanding ideas on how to get out and truly experience nature over the next couple months. We hope you've heard something that stimulated your inner adventurer today and get outside and see what's happening all around us this weekend. Thanks, Liz. Thank you. Thanks for listening and watching. And thanks again to our guests from Huron Clinton Metro Parks and the Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge. Please visit the Destination Downrivers website at destinationdownriver.com or our Facebook page. And be sure to join us for next month's podcast.